0: This is a Media Lab podcast. Welcome to Kyle and Dave versus the Machine. My name is Kyle,
1: and I'm still a man. Pretending to be a woman, pretending to be a man. Actually, that mm. might be true. And I'm the machine. Well, we'll try
0: to unpack that. This is a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film Victor Victoria. I just thought she'd help you relax. What the hell was that? B-flat.
1: It will work. Oh, Toddy, it If will you not- listen to me and
0: do exactly as I say, in six weeks you'll be the toast of Paris and we will both be very rich. and
1: oh. gentlemen, the nightclub is proud to present one of the great entertainers of our time. The one
0: and only, Victor! Victoria! Oh
1: baby, won't
0: you play me the a big thank you to our patrons over on Patreon. Their contributions help us continue this show, since the machine doesn't want to help us pay for these movies. Plus, each month, we do a bonus episode over there. Now, before we get into talking about this week's film, Dave... We should advance the plot. Oh, yeah. And I didn't write anything down this week, so I well, forgot to do my due diligence. Well, who cares? Where were we? Our dentist friend, D.D. Hess, DDS was yeah. embezzling funds. Then I went on this dinner date with her to, to confront her, and she, like, stuck me with Novocaine in the neck.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Right. Yeah.
0: Then we haven't really been seeing her around very much, and now it's even weirder. It's like she's a specter haunting
1: okay. RRK. Okay. She's kind of like the
0: phantom going ghost. of the... Arcadia or something like that. that. Anyway, okay, it's yeah, been hard yeah. to, to find her down. How is this deep and rich fiction going for you, Dave? That's <laughs> no, great. We've definitely written all of the a three act structure. Yeah. This huge payoffs are going to come. Oh, I, from this, and
1: I, I really appreciate all the dialogue cues you give me to help me uh, stay on, on track with this. It's great. I, uh, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's great working with you as a director, Kyle. I just have to put that out there. <laughs> okay, uh, some
0: of my best work. What's been happening to you with the arcade? You've been running the arcade here this week, so tell
1: me about that. Improve yourself out of that fuck face. <laughs> <laughs> I like that the longer we hang out together, Kyle, the crueler your vocabulary becomes. Um, mm-hmm. well. I lost our own... Oh, what's this? Oh, Jesus. Oh, sorry. I just got a very loud email notification on an email thread I'm not particularly interested in.
0: That's crazy since how email was not even invented I, until like at sorry. least a decade after 1982. Oh, yeah, so. let
1: me rephrase. Uh, a carrier pigeon just <laughs> cooed too loudly. <laughs>
0: I know. I think they're louder back here in the 80s. Oh,
1: man. when was When did carrier pigeons stop being a thing? I guess... Do you know, I watched the Mike Tyson documentary. He raised pigeons as a kid. What? Yeah, because he was bullied and because uh, he has a lisp and he was actually quite small. And Plus, he, they don't have ears he can bite off. So, that is a plus. <laughs> well, this, I don't know. Is, he's a pretty interesting guy. Yeah. How he, how he became a boxer is fascinating. There's a reason why he's insane. Plot. Right. I broke our only Phillips head screwdriver. So, I don't know. Dang it. How we're going to fix uh, these slots. Great.
0: Well, well, we'll work with that here over the course of the next month or so. We're like right in the middle of Pride Month here, of course, as we were, are releasing uh, this episode. Everywhere other than Calgary, yes. True enough. Uh, I mean, that was not a thing, really. In Calgary, it wasn't a thing in the early 80s, that's for sure. There were definitely like Pride organizations. And I forget when the Pride flag was actually made, but that was also, I think, in the late 70s is when that was officially begun. But what better way to honor that than talking about the film, Victor, Victoria, mm. Dave? I actually don't even mean that glibly. I think there is actually some pretty bold things that this does for a film coming out in 1982. Oh, yeah.
1: uh, well, 1982 in general has uh, surprised me. It's yeah. actually surprised me quite a few times here. Yeah, that's right. It's It has it on its mind. Maybe, although looking ahead, not that we have a film list, maybe we won't get deeper insight into this because this may be the end of such discussion in film. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's clearly a topic. The, we've come across this several times. So uh,
0: people were thinking about it. I'm excited to jump into this film with you. I've seen it before. and ah. you have not seen it before. I think we should do some backstory here for a couple of the people involved with this movie. Although there is a bit of a, um, I do want to read a, an email here first. Uh, Sarah wrote into us in regards to our, the world according to GARP episode <laughs> from, from last week.
1: Okay. Uh, looking at your face, I feel like... No, this is
0: two weeks in a row. This is two weeks in a row where I'm getting called out. Ooh, and I, don't, I don't like this okay. precedent that's being set here for me. I was
1: like very worried that uh, it was my turn. No. Oh, good. She writes in, I can't comment
0: on the movie as I've never seen it. However, I'm surprised that Kyle didn't mention Glenn Close's involvement in The Simpsons. Mm. When when he was talking about her Mm. backstory. Because she's the voice of Homer's mom. Kyle usually can't help himself but make comments (laughs) about The Simpsons.
1: I was like, okay, okay, back off a bit. Yeah, that's right, Kyle. (laughs) Way to fuck that up. You're you're like disappointing our audience. awful. I know. I'm disappointed. Which is is
0: true. Like, she's involved in... She came back to do the voice of Homer's mother actually a a few times in later seasons. There is one episode in particular, which is... Considered one of the best, like probably like top ten Simpsons episodes of him meeting his mother one last time and saying goodbye to her and, and that sort of thing. It's a very sweet, sentimental episode. How do ends. you
1: rate how do you rate a top ten episode of a show that's been going on nearly thirty years, Kyle?
0: Um, I have a running catalog. <laughs> I have a spreadsheet on my computer actually. I'm not a nerd at all, no.
1: Dave. <laughs> no, I and the thing is, uh, you're not exaggerating. I absolutely believe you have a spreadsheet. Monitoring Simpsons episodes that you've watched. Yeah.
0: I rate every episode of this podcast. This one is already in last place. I know quite a few of this the episode titles. If you want to get super nerdy, which I never got to, you you would know what the episode the official production code number of each episode is why which I thought was like an extra level of nerd them that i just didn't care to ever get into i just i, I don't like, even understand that's episode eab1f why and i was like oh whoa okay i have no idea what you're talking about
1: why i mean you can like a show but why i don't know i i grew up with the simpsons i thought it was hilarious we watched it whenever we could but i don't know production things it just reminds me i had a friend in high school three Korean sisters. They're all sisters. So of course, they're all Korean. But her uncle, I think, uh, was the head of the animation production company for The Simpsons. And at home, what? they had the uh, cells, framed cells mm-hmm. from the actual production of the show, which I thought was cool. I forgot about that because it didn't matter to me because I'm not a loser, Kyle. But <laughs> uh, it all just, right, it just right. brought that up. You they and Sarah used can, out, they,
0: you can gang up on me at a later date, okay? <laughs> they we used don't to need send to that
1: today. to uh, yeah, a Korean production company. And so, I remember they had a framed sell and i thought that was kind of cool and then i forgot about it because uh i lived my life
0: (laughs) okay well let's get into the into the movie here a little bit i think we need to set the stage our backstory on a couple of different people this is the second blake edwards film that we're going to be talking about on this show last season we were in the year 1971 and so we talked about his film wild rovers remember that movie dave not wild rovers
1: yeah
0: it's a very forgettable film yeah you were very Negative on that movie as as was I but you like hated that movie I'm like I'm gonna forget about this movie in a week and I was correct. I forgot about that movie in a <laughs> week So this is the second movie of of course probably well known for the pink panther series He directed all of the pink panther films with Peter Sellers breakfast at, breakfast, breakfast at Tiffany's is probably the other big one that people would know about from him but if you want to hear our thoughts specifically, I would go back and listen to that episode. Go back to the Wild Rovers episode. You can hear our thoughts on Blake Edwards. More so, we need to talk about his wife, Julie Andrews. I
1: didn't even know they were married. hmm Amazing. Yeah, Julie Andrews is uh, the best. Do you
0: remember the text that I sent to you? While, well, of course, we were watching this movie together on the couch, mm-hmm. do you remember as we the do. The text We well, have such you?
1: poor communication skills, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we do not
0: speak face to face unless there's a microphone. Yeah, recording.
1: No, I I love Julie Andrews um, as as a concept. And Kyle said he's a bigger nerd because I'm sure you have um, even more in depth academic knowledge. I just realized, doing a little backstory, that you plagiarized the name of your podcast. From a production she starred in so good for you
0: right which is also the name of a song inside of a sondheim show but yeah.
1: yes yeah yeah <laughs> regardless mm-hmm. this for that's putting it
0: together which is playing us, <laughs> is a production she was a part of and is the name of the podcast that i host uh-huh. about the music of stephen sondheim
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: i was gonna say this this is the bold claim that i made bold i think julie andrews is such a generational talent i don't care if you took her to the silent era Mm. Like I'm talking like inner prime, like we're talking mid thirties to mid forties. You put her in the anything. silent era, the 1950s, like big musical era, the sixties through the eighties that were, that she was kind of the biggest in her career. You could put a 25 year old Judy Andrews now and put her into a movie and be like, that's a star. I want to see her. She can do pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. I think she would nail it no matter what era you put her into.
1: Yes. Like from a performing talent, you know, in her biography, apparently she intentionally wouldn't play a negative role. So, she wouldn't do a lot of films today because people are mm. so cynical and bitter now. Well, she did do Aquaman though. <laughs> but she would uh, she'd be great and everything. She's she's a performer. And you know, we talked about that a little bit, but like when I watch Sunset Boulevard and you see those mm. old silent film actors and all they have to do is look at the camera and they're already performing. She has that quality about her. And, and then you add to that maybe the perfect voice <laughs> of singing in her prime. Insane. I
0: could listen to Julie Andrews sing all day long. Yeah. She was no, she had perfect pitch. That is one of her calling cards. She had perfect pitch. Very few people in the world, even professional singers, have had quote unquote perfect pitch.
1: I think it noted four octaves, uh, which yep. is insane. Mariah Carey, you know, watch out.
0: <laughs> it, it kills me. Like I mean, I wonder how much that doctor hated himself for accidentally cutting her vocal cords. Well, I was going to say in not out, be able to sing anymore. Yeah.
1: I don't know, accidental. What a fucking idiot. American Mm. medical. uh, It's bullshit. But uh, at any rate, yeah, we lost the voice of our generation. Now, she was already in her 60s by then. Yes. So, uh, you know, it's not like I think we would get. uh, Maybe she would have been in Mamma Mia. Who knows? But
0: uh, who knows? just knowing her career a little bit, she can. She definitely has none of the the octaves and range that she once had. She can kind of do a speak, singy thing, like a Rex Harrison from, uh. From a My Fair Lady sort of thing now? nowadays, mm-hmm. but definitely not what you consider like Julie Andrews if we go back to like Mary Poppins, Sound of yeah. Music, that sort of thing.
1: Well, that's what I grew up on too. So, I think, you know, maybe our bias is that we grew up learning, essentially experiencing that perfect singing comes from Julie <laughs> Andrews. Right, we use so we use do re mi as like the uh, you know building blocks of singing in general, and that's her voice, right? So you know, plus well, not just
0: that's... her voice, but she does something I, I still find it remarkable. I will actually watch this scene on YouTube. That's how much of a big nerd and fan I am of the do re mi sequence from The Sound of Music, because at the very end, she's supposed to go like uh, she does like the run, mm-hmm. and in the, in the original stage show. It's a set month. She options up. She actually goes an octave higher than anyone ever did. And she just nails it. She just goes so high and sounds so beautiful at the same time. It's like, well, that's Julie Andrews. She's practically perfect in every way, Dave. I think so. As far as a performer goes.
1: Yeah. And the... I But the, my, my pullback from being a Julie Andrews nerd is looking at her filmography. I've actually not watched a lot of the films that she starred in and apparently they were all hits in the 70s. I think it's just slightly before my time. So, I've, ne- I've heard the name Victor Victoria, but I've never actually watched this film, which uh, presuming we've already seen it, Kyle, was a huge mm-hmm. miss in my life because uh, I may have thought it was amazing and not that we've <laughs> seen it yet. So, not that we've seen sure. it yet. I'm actually surprised you don't own it, frankly.
0: I probably should own it at this point. Um, <laughs> we'll, talk, well, I'll talk about that history in just a second. Doing a little bit of more research here this week. This is a, a, kind of the fascinating thing about her career. Of course, she is uh, not cast in the film.
1: My Fair My um, Fair Lady.
0: My Fair Lady, even though she originates that role on Broadway because she's considered not a big star enough. So she goes off and makes Mary Poppins, wins the Academy Award for doing Mary Poppins. Tells that producer
1: to go fuck himself. Audrey Hepburn, yeah.
0: right? So like it's like this reward for people not believing in her. Does the Sound of Music, of course, has this bigger career. She does this string of... Bombs essentially like movies that just don't make money critics don't like them in essentially the mid 70s She's actually considered box office poison. She gets that moniker It's like if you make a movie with Julie Andrews, it's not gonna make money her and carrot top
1: are in good company
0: So she goes to TV. She just does a bunch of TV She does her own show the Julie Andrews show which I think she wins an Emmy for mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken But it's like a variety show and you know variety shows were a thing
1: we could use more variety now
0: I would love an actual proper variety show,
1: but no one watches them.
0: It's just that nobody watches. I guess you them. could
1: say late night, but they're. But that's they, still they not failed at it quite. Yeah, yeah. It, it poisoned the not poison. It just corrupted the idea of a, a variety show. I think.
0: Yeah, like the closest you're getting a Saturday Night Live, it's really the only one, mm-hmm. and even that I wouldn't say is a true variety. Kids in the show Hall are and, back. That's <laughs> true. It's
1: true. She should go with Kids in the Hall is what we're trying to say. Full frontal. If you need to see six year old penis jumping up and down. And, and they subscribe do. to Amazon and Prime. I do. Yeah.
0: But she meets Blake Edwards. She had been had a first husband. She meets Blake Edwards. I think the story, I don't know how true this is. They met because they had the same therapist or something like that. No, I didn't come across. Regardless. That, no. Doesn't matter. They, they they meet, fall in love. He casts her in a few films, but he goes through a string of bombs too. So that's kind of yeah, like this. It's is called them. Wild Rovers. And they become a production team though. So they start actually making movies together as producers. Ten. 10 is the kind of the turning point in 1979. Bo Derek. I think I talked about this yeah, last week yeah, or a couple totally weeks ago. More, yeah. I don't think the movie is all that good, but there's some interesting stuff in it. I will say that there's some interesting stuff in it. She's the best part. Julie Andrews is the best part of that movie. She's in it for like five minutes, maybe. But she nails her scene, her two scenes she's in. That's such a big hit that they're able to like bankroll for the next few years. And this is kind of the result of that. We'll talk about another film of that they're famous for, but that's kind of like the quick backstory there. My thing is that I heard of Victor Victoria because there was a Broadway show made out of that's it. That's right. Have you heard that? Did you read the story up on this? Because it's kind of controversial.
1: Uh, not the show. So I know that it got made in 95. I know yes. that she was in it. And yes. uh, in 97, she was still performing that, right? When she lost her yes. voice.
0: Yeah. But other than that, I don't know. Here is somewhat of the controversy. So yes, they. I've actually never listened to that album. It's, it's just a kind of a blind spot for me. They would have had to add a bunch more songs into it, obviously, to make it a musical. Mid-90s, she. it's her return to Broadway. It's like a big deal. Julie Andrews returning to Broadway. We're going to do that... A, production of Victor Victoria, adapted for the stage. Critics, from what I understand, didn't really love it all that much. Audiences, I think, were a little bit more warm to it because they got to see Julie Andrews perform on stage. So that's always something that's exciting. The Tony Award nominations come out that year. Oh, okay, and is only nominated for one award, yeah. which is Best Actress for Julie Andrews. And she makes a decision to say, no, I don't want to be nominated for this. Mistiga. If you're not going to recognize the, all the work that went into this, I don't need your award. Mm-hmm. And the Tonys lost their shit. They got very upset by that. If you watch the awards from that year, uh, the amount of jokes that they make about Julie Andrews oh, being wow. like a, a spoiled child is remarkable. It is wild to go back and watch that telecast.
1: But explain, you know, I was. Just on the summary in the Wikipedia, the fact that she doesn't have an EGOT is fascinating because mm-hmm. if you're known for stage and performance, how the Tony is the one that you missed out on, but it makes sense because well, uh, oh, I I just feel like she had a lot of success on Broadway before she became a film star. I'm surprised, yes. you know. We Camelot, yeah. My
0: Fair Lady, she was in. Cast in Cinderella, but left that to do my fair so she she was having a pretty big career. And we've read a
1: lot of uh actresses and actors that kind of, you know, get at least nominated for a Tony as soon as they walk onto a stage and apparently yeah. she just didn't connect with that award for whatever reason. And then yeah, I did read the side note that she basically blacklisted herself from Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, Down with the men. Even more reason to support her, you know? Who (laughs) likes awards? What kind of idiot would obsess over awards? (laughs) (laughs) Who could that possibly be?
0: But I I respect her for that. Mm -hmm. I think standing by the work would be like, no, don't just nominate me. If you're going to nominate this show, then nominate the show. I have seen this movie before. I was probably 18 or 19. Okay. It was one of those things. I think I've talked about this before. Blockbuster used to have this thing where you could go and buy like 10 movies for $10 or something like that. You could just rent a whole bunch of them and keep them for like a week or so. And one of them was Victor Victoria because I'd heard of it probably because it was on Broadway. So it had some sort of name recognition in my head. And I remember watching this and again, not really knowing much of what it was about other than it had Julie Andrews. And I know she was pretending to be a, a guy in the movie. That's the basic, only the basic thing I knew. And I started watching it and you know, it opens up with two men in a bed I'm like, uh-oh, my parents can't see me watching this, or they're gonna have questions.
1: <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't watch it with you, actually, knowing your Secretly history. Secretly watching
0: <laughs> this movie and like turning that, the sound down when I thought it was maybe like a little bit too much, and like
1: that was your Playboy, Victor and Victoria, yeah. <laughs> it
0: was like it was illicit drugs in my house but it was Victor Victoria as I was trying to watch this without my parents knowing what I was it's watching. Like a
1: PG <laughs> musical, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> nothing, nothing, Dad, nothing.
0: Uh, it was a friend. It was a friend who gave it to me. <laughs> Explains a lot. But you've never seen any of this? Do you, know, you know any of the songs from it or anything like that? No. I also know the soundtrack quite well. Even though I've only watched it once, I've listened to the soundtrack dozens and a dozens lot. of times okay. throughout my life. So I know all the songs in this film pretty well.
1: Okay. So introducing some bias.
0: Which is why I'm going to perform La Jazz Hot right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, seriously, you should. What we should do instead is we're going to take a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks to the sponsors. Interests are getting long. Sh- yeah. Yeah, help hope the show continue to go. <laughs> and uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking more about Victor Victoria. Mm, which one, though? More? Well, we have to keep it 50-50
1: mm.
0: the entire time. Actually, Actually we're just going to talk about James Garner. <laughs> we're just going to talk about James Garner the entire time.
1: There's a big cast in this. Yeah. But anyways, all right. Let's move on to our ad reads, Kyle. Have you ever done drag? Uh, no. Uh, well, um, not, in, like, not in a constructive way. We're dressed up. <laughs> Um, for a dodgeball tournament, but okay, yeah, yeah, we actually no, that was mullets. I used to have like a long wig, I don't even know where it came from i I guess it was my mom's, it was in my family, was, What? yeah, it was like a, you just grew up with a mullet wig that was no, insane. we found it, I guess world? in the early twenties that I don't know, I, I just remember we found these wigs, there was one that was like you know, almost mid back, but like permed hair, which is fucking random. Like my mom never had that. So, I don't know where this wig came from. And a short one, if I remember correctly, was like bob length. And my brother and I started wearing them like to parties as a joke. Yeah. But it's never like to dress up as women, just to look like an idiot. So, I, you know, it's not drag per se. The dodgeball, I misremember. We did, my brother and I shaved mullets in her hair and cut old jeans into pockets out, uh, Jean shorts for a dodgeball <laughs> tournament. Uh, yeah. But you look so cool. Oh, no. Yeah, we didn't. And we lost pretty badly. So it was fun, though. Good memory.
0: I just am not getting over the fact that you just entered a dodgeball tournament, full stop, regardless <laughs> of anything else that hey, you listen, did within that, that you actually entered a dodgeball
1: tournament. I doubt that movie made a lot of money in the theater, but that was a pretty big film. And mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason, dodgeball in toronto had this like two-year boom where Assurance. they were like yeah there were like tournaments and leagues appearing i i, I don't think they exist anymore but why are we watching movies like that and actually giggling instead of uh you know 80 percent of the time me just being upset that we're doing this podcast because film is a
0: spectrum dave <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by the way, I have also never done drag, except I did dress up as a woman once for Halloween. Because what could be scarier than a woman?
1: <laughs> a six foot four uh, woman singing uh, singing Broadway tunes as he walks down the street at begging kids for candy. Yeah, that's actually quite. What frightening. My parents
0: not know. <laughs> What are we talking about? Kyle and Dave versus the Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. The Alberta Podcast Network promotes and supports Alberta-made podcasts and connects their audiences with Alberta-based businesses and organizations. Dave, this week I want to talk to you about ATB. And at ATB, we make banking work for you. Ooh, for me? With expert and practical advice in everyday banking and investment planning expertise and management services with ATB Wealth, You can be confident that you are making smart choices when it comes to your money. We have a history of doing what's right for our clients, especially when times are tough, because ATB was built to help Albertans. For more information, you can visit ATB.com. I don't know if they meant specifically you, Dave, but probably more the royal you.
1: They're connected to the royal family. Do you think Queen Elizabeth is, she's probably on her way out, right? Not to be too Mm -hmm. dour, but... Sounds like she's starting to miss a lot of engagement. She's old, man. Longest reigning monarch in modern yes. history or something like that.
0: Also the longest time the next king or queen has had to wait oh. to become king or queen. Oh, go hand in hand. I think Charles has been waiting for 70 plus years.
1: Charles needs to just like, just let it go. I think he should
0: step aside and just yeah, give it to the next just let
1: person. It go. what honestly. is he going to do? Like sit in the chair for a year and be like, finally, it's all worth it. And then die. <laughs> and then he croaks the next day. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want
0: Charles on my money. <laughs>
1: right? How weird is that? Facing the wrong direction as you taught me. All right. It's almost summer, which means uh, unlike when I first moved here uh, and people told me you don't need it, Calgary now requires you essentially to have an air conditioner. And with air conditioners, Kyle, it means your electricity bill is going to go up.
0: That's true. I mean, fire season is about to start, I was about to say. Oh yeah,
1: that's right. We're about to get some smoke. It's sad that that's a yearly thing now, eh? hmm Armageddon. Apocalypse locusts, floods, volcanoes. Don't keep any of this in the cut. Okay. So (laughs) let's talk about energy. So let's talk about, we're talking about energy. So let's talk about Park Power. Park Power is your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. They offer internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. You know, in alberta you get to choose who you buy your internet electricity and natural gas from do you like electricity or electricity i
0: can go either way yeah i i, I say electricity i like that yeah just get in like, there. i say
1: economy <laughs> If you switch providers, nothing changes about the delivery of these utilities to your home or business. If you have an existing contract, you're going to want to find out the terms before leaving. But if you don't, then it's even easier to sign up for Park Power. You as the consumer have the choice of who you pay your bills to. Why not choose your friendly local utilities provider? Learn more at parkpower.ca.
0: All right, Dave, we have just watched the movie Victor Victoria. Let's say we are at the bridal show mm. that's going on this weekend. It's a bridal show. Okay. Go with me with my deep and rich yeah, fiction yeah, yeah. here. We're okay. at the bridal show yeah. this weekend. We're walking around. We're looking at all the fancy dresses and the caterers and everything. And somebody spots us from across the way. Mm. And they're like, those are those two podcasters that we've heard so much about. I don't personally listen to podcasts, so but I, I do it's know the two podcasters. Yeah, There's no podcast. And he comes Beeline over to you and was like, my mother, Told me to watch this Julie Andrews film called Victor Victoria. But what's it about? What would you what would you, Dave Young, say this movie is about? What was the plot?
1: It is imagine imagine this. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 1930s. It's mm-hmm. apparently in Paris, which it took me a while to figure out. You know, because it's kind of... No one has a Parisian yeah, accent. That's and okay, some people fine, are French, whatever. some people are English. I don't know. It's, it's just a whole thing. The only French thing I can stand is kissing. There's a down and out soprano singer, female, who accidentally befriends a gay club performer. And they decide that the only way that she's going to make it in this weird helter-skelter city, if she pretends to be a man in drag, pretending to be a woman... And uh, and the rest is history. I, I'm going to say this
0: before we jump into our thoughts and feelings. I do want to acknowledge the fact, and I even agree with it, of a lot of the criticism I read about this film from people who don't okay. like it, which is like, it is totally unbelievable that anyone would think that Julie Andrews is yeah. a man. And I kind of agree with that. Like, yeah, like you kind of have to just go with it and accept that that's the fact. I will say... I think the movie kind of cops to that fact, too. Like they say, it's like, no, this is totally unbelievable. And then they kind of just go with it. (laughs) And everyone just kind of believes it from that point on. But totally get if people are – that's the sticking point for some people.
1: The the whole time – you know, Helen actually watched this movie with me, which tells you that it's good.
0: Through space and time. But uh,
1: I think the thing that I had to hold in my head is if you watch modern drag like RuPaul's, there's always at least one uh, contestant where you just can't tell. Like – all, like right in the middle right. androgynous or whatever. Maybe androgynous is not the right to necessarily because that might devoid us of any sexual orientation. But at any rate, like you get very confused easily. So, I was like, maybe, you know, maybe. But yeah. she's also not just – she's not hyper feminine either. What
0: was weird is that part through the movie, there's the one outfit, like tuxedo thing that she's wearing. That certain angles are like, is that David Bowie? Like yeah, it, yeah. there's a David Bowie-ishness to it. Actually, a couple that times.
1: number with the close to the last number, there is a Queen music video that it reminded me of mm. uh, for uh, his, one of his last song before he died. Fuck. Uh, these are things worth looking for. It doesn't matter. But I remember watching that video and they have the, uh, one floodlight. I, um, I remember I Googled this later, so I was kind of wrong, but he's, uh, emaciated cause now he's, I think it was like right. a couple months before he died and he's wearing a tuxedo. And I kept thinking while I was watching this movie, uh, like that scene, I was like, I wonder if Freddie Mercury watched, saw Victor Victoria and just became sort of enamored with this idea of a final performance, uh. It wouldn't surprise me, but I watched the video and it's like it's a little different. But you know, Freddie's a little different, so I don't know if that's an interpretation. But what were your thoughts on this movie, Dave? I really enjoyed it. I um, yeah, there are some things you know, it's not perfect by any means, no. but I think uh, as a Julie Andrews apologist, uh, anything she's in, I'm already halfway in it. But it's fun. Unlike Wild Rovers, I thought it was shot kind of in a appropriate manner <laughs> you know there's uh some really interesting scenes like the rat diner fracas that mm-hmm. that pullout when you see everybody freaking out in the window is hilarious
0: a very blake edwards thing where things devolve into a punch out yeah just a
1: yeah yeah and and you get that much more of a pink panther feeling uh, at this stage it's so slapstick at some points that uh, you get some lol moments you got a pretty good cast list i mean uh, mm-hmm. You know John Rice Davis um, Gimli's in it. <laughs> James like Garner—that's that, your
0: go-to, not well, uh, Indiana, the, Jones, Indiana Jones. But I
1: can't remember the character's name in Indi- yeah, I mean, Indiana because I'm racist and he's Egyptian. So
0: I like Robert Preston. I think Robert Preston. Robert this Preston's role. great.
1: You know, this is just before he had to save the Earth uh, as an alien <laughs> in the last Starfighter. Yeah, that's
0: right. That's right. Mm-hmm. I know we always bring up the we always bring up this musical apparently, but he was the original music man music on man. stage and screen.
1: It's so. not Hugh Jackman?
0: It is not. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my face <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Jackman.
1: Yeah, so overall, I thought I thought it was really fun. I thought uh, I was surprised that I'd never watched it, but I think you know it's early '80s, so it wouldn't have uh, popped up on the re- repertoire. And I think too, because of the subject, there's openly gay characters, there's drag queens, there's some uh, you know allusions to transvestite things, there's a lot of anti-gay sentiment weaved into it. So this is not gonna uh, stay in the popular mentality. I think this is not gonna be a popular movie for. 80s, 90s, 2000s. But um, I think it deserves a re I think people should watch it. It was fun. Do I believe that James Garner could be lovable? <laughs> uh-huh. No. I, I think that character is disgusting. You know, there's like a little things, but like I, I, I had fun watching it. A little long, but I had fun watching it.
0: Yeah. I, that, that's where the I say, imperfections start to show themselves. I think just to throw out a number, maybe like the last 20 minutes could be a little bit crunched together. Mm-hmm. Just It mm-hmm. does get a little bit long at, at the at the very end. But I, on this rewatch, I love this movie. I actually really, really enjoyed it. Even more so than I remember liking it the first time. Maybe I wasn't feeling so like, I have to hide this while I'm watching this <laughs> sort of thing. Like watching with one eye and like making sure that no once
1: your roommate came home, you're like,
0: nothing, nothing. I, I, can, I can flip to wrestling because that's the more <laughs> butch thing. <laughs> I could quickly flip over <laughs> if I needed to. I think you've already said it. Julian Andrews is phenomenal in this. I mm-hmm. think the Robert Preston character is handled very well. I do realize that yes, there are some characters who are using prejudiced words and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and like. But I always felt that any of like the anti-gay sentiment was from quote, unquote, like the villain characters, yeah. and never from like our main characters. Yeah. What I thought was so progressive, wildly about this movie is that, as you said, it opens up two men in bed. And they just are gay, and it never is really ever mentioned. Like, oh yeah, you're, that's just a thing. It's and never we get a it, and we understand it. Yeah, and it's never really a problem for the rest of the movie. And actually, it never is like the problem of the movie either. No, it's exactly. always like, her journey and her and centering her in the middle of trying to make this ruse of theirs work. I think that there are some really funny moments. I love every single one of the musical sequences. Just to keep myself consistent here. If we think back to another musical we talked about, Starstruck, do these musical numbers actually comment or progress the story forward? I like you can sort of make that argument, but for the most part, they're just there to be performance pieces. And you can subtly be like, well, like they're talking about shady dames and she's a shady dame herself. I'm like I'm kind of reaching here, I know, but like there's some thematic resonance there, but not totally. It's really just let's just have a cool production number. And that's going to be good enough. But it works for me, for, them, for, for all of them.
1: I think the trick in this type of movie and with that sort of middle golden era of Hollywood musicals in general is that they tend to center the story around a stage. So, yeah. you can make the excuse that, well, the actor now has to perform this bit and then they perform it. So, it becomes more about communicating how talented they are, why people would believe them in this scenario instead of skipping that piece. Right, and I think
0: also what it does really well is even if like the lyrics or the music is not necessarily commenting or moving the action forward, the scene is Mm -hmm. so there's things happening.
1: There was cutting to the the crowd, or they're looking at
0: something, or we can see what's going on behind the wings, and so it still feels like we're pushing forward rather than just like stopping the movie. Still, I I guess we're just doing another performance here and then having the story continue on after the fact. So I, I don't know what to say other than it's like it's a really well made movie. I really really enjoyed this. I think that. Without Julie Andrews, I don't know how well this movie would actually be. I think that she's just the right amount of like, I'm going to use a big word, like, waifishness mm. to her performance. Mm. I can I can believe her to be like this talented person who just can't find work. And I'm along for the ride. Yes. The James Garner character is so, so weird because he's a very like a 1930s character in a musical yeah, yeah. where it's like. He's an awful person. Why would anyone want to be with him? But there has to be a love interest. So he's going to be our love interest. But I did love like his first girlfriend who was basically doing like the Marianne Davies squeaky Mm voice thing. mm -hmm. Kind of annoying. But her dance is phenomenal too when you actually see her (laughs) perform. Well,
1: you know what's interesting? I mean, that one came out of nowhere. And if there's one performance that really doesn't fit... sure the story it's it's her performing essentially like a modern a striptease. fucking well more than a yeah, modern uh, hip hop mm-hmm. video i mean they're bending over spraying their cheeks apart it's mm-hmm. it's pretty uh it's pretty racy i think um the thing about her she's really funny and this is that pink panther thing where everybody's a cartoon character but i started f- Getting a little annoyed by how shrill she was by the end of gotcha. the film. But that's just personal. I, that's I had nothing to do with her. Though. That's yeah. the thing. Nothing to do with her character, nothing to do with the actress. She's great in it. I did get a half thought like, should that have been Terry Gar, right? She would have sure. probably been yeah, a lot yeah. better at this thing. Played with a little bit more depth. No, but she was great. And uh I don't think my criticisms come from that character. I just I just found uh, James Garner was like I don't know what it is about his character. He's not a bad actor, you no. know. It's the just, character is just, it's, it's a weird it's, character. It's yeah, just make confused, work, right? Yeah.
0: Because he's shown from the first time you meet him to be basically like a jerk, misogynist, a gangster. Asshole. Or, you know, tough and does guy. he ever change? Not really.
1: Well, <laughs> sort of. I mean, they have these scenes where he's like doe eyed, but then he's like treating her like an object, but then she falls in love with him just because they had a quick chat. Yeah. You know, at a cocktail party. It's and, just kind of forced. And the one thing about the plot
0: that I would actually change in this movie, I'm actually interested if it's the same way on the stage show. Again, I haven't looked into that. But I wish that he didn't know for sure mm. she was a woman The when he in actually the kisses her, Yeah. Right? Because he does yeah. that thing and i mean that's some problematic stuff too but what again whatever the, yeah, where yeah. <laughs> i don't think that i think that's a modern context of course looking back at it, it's still weird but i love that line it's like i don't care if you are a man and then kisses her yeah i wish he had did not know for sure and that's yeah. what he was wrestling with it's like am i actually a gay man now because even his like helper dude like his bodyguard i think Comes that's out. just a lovely thing it's oh, like it's thank hilarious. you i can yeah. I can now be myself and it's not, not played for like, yes, it's kind of a, a laugh line, but he isn't shown to be like a caricature after that. It's like, he just is the same person, but likes men.
1: Well, this this is a progressive part. I mean, there's a raucous gay club and it's just part of the environment. It's not yeah. actually made fun of. It's It's just somewhere where all these characters live. And when the bodyguard comes out, it is there as a bit for a laugh. But it's, it's great because after that, it's just normal and he's giving advice about <laughs> like yeah. just living, you know, a straight but like a, a an open life and it's fun, you know, it's like there's nothing in there other than James Gardner's script writing homophobia which in itself and maybe this is the point, you know, like that you're getting at. If they hadn't had that scene, like if he's hiding in her bathroom and he gets a feel but it gets interrupted at the last second. You know, maybe James Garner would have had something more to work with because mm-hmm. then a lot of the confusion and his sort of humming and hawing would make a lot more sense, but you learn pretty early that he's in on it mm-hmm. and it does kind of make it more manipulative than anything and, and it's hard to kind of go along yeah. with their love story. Yeah, I
0: just think based on... I think just what it says on Wikipedia, like Blake Edwards claims that he wrote this script in a month, right? He locked it it down in a month. Don't know if that's actually true or not. But if that is true, I wish that, yeah, they may have workshopped that just a little bit. Because, again, I think that is just a more fascinating, dramatic thing to go through. It's like he's falling in love with someone and it's screwing with him because, like, oh, my gosh, like, why am I falling in love with this person? Because they're, quote, unquote, the wrong gender and Mm -hmm. totally that's the struggle within them, like, but I still love them. For As an actor, I think that's just more interesting to work with too. My greatest acting challenge is pretending I ever care about what you say.
1: Yeah, it's hard. You know, we always do a rewrite, but it, go, it does go to show that this film is quite enjoyable, that uh, we have to nitpick. It's not like the film itself is bad. You know, all of the musical numbers are uh, great. Would, do you have a favorite one by any chance? Well, for sure, anything where Julianne Andrews starts to sing is just good right mm-hmm. but i did really enjoy the finale when robert preston came out for the comedic thing so all of for the comedic her, one her yeah. uh like when she it's not karma, when she does the um senorita thing like yeah. the choreography Dame of sing-
0: is the song
1: fantastic right she's such a great performer but when robert preston does it at the end for laughs it's fucking hilarious it's great it's a great <laughs> way to kind of uh finish Which, the film. it
0: does feel like a drag performance doesn't yeah. it like i don't know if you've ever been to a drag show but that does feel pretty normal
1: well that's the thing it's like um You know, that last twist to tie everything up in a bow is a little cotton candy-ish, you know, pink cloud stuff where it's Mm -hmm. like she needs an exit. So, they just make it seem like, well, I mean, the audience knows that Robert Preston, uh, Tommy is not Victoria, but everybody has fun with it. That's the other Mm -hmm. thing that I thought about the environment that was so cool is that they go to a normal club, quote unquote, and everybody's okay with watching cross-dressing uh performance i know that was fairly normalized in traditional theater because women were were not allowed to act but sure but even there's there
0: were certain underground cabaret stuff in like berlin and stuff at the time that would have been doing what's this, interesting is, I,
1: I mean i haven't watched it but this is based on uh, what is a german story and yes. a german film so i will
0: i will i'm gonna bring that up here in a moment but uh which is by the way just put onto the criterion channel if you want to watch i was gonna say
1: it popped up and i was like oh crap and then i realized it was the original one not the yeah. one we uh Watched legally,
0: right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I <was> com- completely <laughs> legally. Uh, the the thing I wanted to do just to con- uh, keep here in 1982, comparing this to Tootsie,
1: mm-hmm. I
0: think it's a very interesting comparison to Tootsie. Again, we are of the opinion that Tootsie holds up for the most part, mm-hmm. that uh, it's treated with respect. The joke is not, hey, look at this guy in a dress. But here's another one where it's like, yeah, a woman pretending to be a man pretending to be a woman. And so there's some comedy with there. And again, the joke really isn't, oh, look at this woman, I don't know, make fun of her gender or the male gender. It's just like, oh, it's cool that there's this guy performing as a woman who's a great singer. That's why people are coming to watch her. She's famous because of how good of a performance it actually is. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to call out about this in comparison to Tootsie.
1: I don't know. I, you know, I wonder, oh, my God, I forgot her name. Let's, uh... What's the new leaf director? Elaine May. Elaine May. I get the e- feeling- Elaine May. I get the feeling. <laughs> I get the feeling that uh, you know we we surmised that we guessed that Tootsie's the depth of that script comes from Elaine May, and this is almost like the same story if Elaine May was the protagonist in it. You know, there's sure. there's a sense that uh, Tootsie gets its intellectual. Wait And didn't devolve into just sexist jokes because Elaine May was on the writing staff, even as a humorist, but she's obviously such an intellectual influence in that film. And this one, interestingly enough, if if Blake Edwards is to be attributed oh, sole credit for this yeah. in a one month, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if because they're married if Julie Andrews is like, you got to make sure that we got to stay here with this story. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, if I was to really think about it, and I don't know if you agree, I feel like Tootsie is more interested in talking about gender dynamics, whereas Victor Victoria is much more interested in talking about sexuality dynamics. I mm. think that is what the difference is between them, even though, yeah, they're generally kind of similar in- a Crossover and matter. A Venn
1: diagram. dressing,
0: however you want to term that. Yeah, yeah. Julie Andrews, of course, yes, was on Broadway i mean, broadway runs on the backs of either openly or not so openly gay men and women at that time she was really good friends with stephen sondheim who was a gay man himself i feel the yes if if she had any hand in the guidance of her husband she'd be like no yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. not gonna do this type yeah. of thing
1: yeah it feels lived in and mm-hmm. uh experienced honestly before i wikipedia'd anything about blake edwards even though we talked about it in wild rovers i'd forgotten it. i would have assumed he was gay
0: <laughs> the mm, way that mm-hmm.
1: this thing is so balanced and told from a neutral perspective i just assumed there's a gay writer or a gay director making sure that this is kind of like sunday bloody sunday there's just something uh, natural and nuanced about this even though this is kind of like a cartoon um, yeah to, but then finding out they're married it had to be the hand of somebody else i in my opinion uh, as uh, ambivalent as i try to appear to uh the public about caring about anybody's gender <laughs> or sexual orientation or political whatever although you know uh, that's becoming polarized i could never write a story <laughs> from inside this character's life right. uh, i don't know anything about it this uh, has some interesting uh perspective to it. And uh, is the same thing, you know, watching that film, I think what surprised both of us is you hear that Dustin Hoffman is going to be in a cross-dressing film. You think it's supposed to be a joke. Like it's not going to touch anything. Yeah. And the fact that it had uh, so much depth to it uh, was only explained by the fact they had a intelligent female writer on that stra- staff. We've seen what happens when a bunch of bros sit down and you wa- uh, know write a comedy and a woman appears. It's a joke, right? It's like yeah, we're gonna we will talk about Porky's at some point this
0: season. <laughs> so yes,
1: it's scary. It's. Uh... It's it's strange. And it's not just moral conservatism, you know, as you bring up that's coming back in the 80s. It's uh, it's the male perspective, the male gaze, right? Well, I,
0: I think that what this points out too, it's that treating characters with, with respect, I would say that within this movie, not so much in Tootsie, I think Tootsie, least keep things fairly... Realistic, I'll put that in quotes. But definitely here in Victor Victoria, I think that most everyone in this is a kind of a bit of a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's not full like Pink Panther mode, but it's almost it's there close in some yeah, cases. Pretty close. But it's, but it's everyone, right? It's not like just these gay characters are weird caricature throwbacks or something like that or, or reduced to just their sexuality. They're real breeding characters. And I think what Robert Preston is able to do so beautifully, he does a little bit of like effeminate walking and stuff like that but by and large he's still just Robert Preston yeah (laughs) like that is his singing voice that is how he talks if you see him in anything else like that's just how he moves he didn't have feel like he had to put on any type of errors or anything like that
1: yeah he's that is just who he is well and to that point the least cartoonish character actually is the jilted boyfriend from the opening scene
0: yeah, you know he, yeah.
1: he's—he literally plays it quote unquote straight. He looks like a regular guy. He does get punched in the face. There's a slapstick element Twice, to it, yeah. but he, he himself is not written to be like this uh, super super eccentric person. He's just kind of a rich snobby kid who's uh, who's beaten up a lot. <laughs> That's right. uh, but some of the other drag queens, I mean, they're, you know, it's like you would see them in a Looney Tunes car- you know, cartoon. They they basically have beards and they're just mm-hmm. uh, so over the top. Actually, that dance number I liked a lot with the creepy mask. I, if it was made today, the mask would be yeah. a lot less, you know, horrific, I think.
0: Yes, I but, agree.
1: But uh, the choreography in that is fucking Great. fantastic, you know, uh, mm-hmm. just being able to do so many turns and keep your synchronization so that uh, each of your costumes works. I know that's probably a little bit more par for the course from... Uh, the golden era of uh choreography sure. we don't see fun stuff like that
0: enough we don't anymore no. no the costume for the jazz hot is fabulous like the really sparkly thing and then once again she goes like from her very bottom mm-hmm. register all the way up to her top register oh, so this lady can sing manner. man it's yeah. like this person can do it <laughs> <laughs> if well. i could make love to a voice it would be julie andrew's voice let me just put it out there Wow. Well. Wow. We just became an capital X rated podcast. Uh, too much information, but let's do some backstory here then, Dave. So, this movie opens up on March 19th, 1982. Currently, it is rated 3.8 on Letterboxd. It has a 7.6 on IMDb out of 10. It has an 84 on Metacritic. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, from 35 critics, it's at 97%. And from 10,000 plus users, it's at 85%. You can go and get it and buy it on DVD or Blu-ray. You can also buy or rent it on iTunes or YouTube. Its budget was $15 million. It would make $28.2 million. Uh, adjusted for inflation, that's $84.4 million. So it was a hit. It, it made money. It's plot description is, a struggling female soprano finds work playing a male-female impersonator, but it complicates her personal life. Mm, mm. Dave, it is now time to play everyone's favorite game at home. Guess that. Tag. Of course, the part of the show where I don my favorite blazer, I have my long Bob Barker microphone. And Dave, you know when you go to the movie theater, you... Can look at the row of posters that are on the wall and advertising all these amazingly great Hollywood feature films that are coming out. We get the third Jurassic World movie that's coming out. We get another Despicable Me movie that's coming out. I might watch that. Great. American classics. The
1: last one wasn't that bad. The bad guy, guy had a fanny pack. It
0: was hilarious. I hate the Despicable Me movies. I don't know why. It's just, <laughs> I have this weird aversion to every single one of them. And the minions suck. So, the. <laughs> it's because you don't have kids. Yeah. On those posters, though, there's usually something called the tagline, something to mm-hmm. entice you even further than just the visuals of the movie. Just
1: realize that's connected to hashtags, isn't it? Interesting. It is. It's basically yeah.
0: hashtag watch this movie. These are three options. One of these is the real tagline to the movie Victor Victoria. Two of them are completely made up by me. Mm-hmm. So is the tagline the sky's surprise comedy of the year? Or is it Julie Andrews is Victoria? Julie Andrews is also Victor. Or is it nobody will hire her? That's her problem. Everybody wants to hire him. That's also her
1: problem. (laughs) Oh, my God. What was the first one? It didn't even make any sense. Sky. The
0: disguise surprise comedy of the year.
1: Oh, disguise. I think it's something like the sky. I'm like, what does this have to do with? Okay. What was, uh, give me the third one. It was so long. Nobody will hire her. I'm going to go the third one. That's
0: her problem. Everybody wants to hire him. Yeah. That's also her problem. I'm going to go with three. It is incorrect, Dave. Yeah. That was my favorite one I came up with. Yeah, that's I actually pretty think good. It kind of works. It's yeah. fun. It's actually number one. The, the Sky Surprise Comedy of the Year. I knew it wasn't too because
1: you told me that she was box office poison at this point. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to put her name on the marquee.
0: True. Um, I think that's a bad tagline. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. This movie stars Julie Andrews as Victoria Grant. Robert Preston as Carol Toddy Todd. James Garner as King Marchand, and Leslie Ann Warren as Norma Cassidy. The only other thing I know Leslie Ann Warren from is that she plays Miss Scarlet in Clue, mm-hmm. which is also one of my favorite movies of all time. Great movie. So.
1: Yeah, boobs out. I uh, did not get a lot of time. Or sorry, I did not give myself a lot of time to do the backstory because... Uh, just writing about Julie Andrews <laughs> requires a degree. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what's interesting about Julie Andrews is, A, uh, she, is it called wedlock when her mom had an affair? So she is not her father's mm. child.
0: So she's a bastard.
1: A bastard or a basti? A bastress. Bastet. Uh, she learned that when she's 15. Her stepfather uh, was gross, abusive alcoholic, tried to sleep with her. That's disgusting. Right. So even Phenomenal. as a teenager, she had to install a lock on her door. But uh, they were—they became performers. The the mother and the stepfather became performers during the Second World War. And that's how she became a child actor. Because uh, she started living with them because she had this talent. She was uh, a performer. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, what else?
0: Robert Preston is interesting because there's no information about him. Oh, like, really? He had a big career, yeah. both on Broadway and had some movies. But even his, like, Wikipedia article is, like, he was an intensely private person. He only gave this one interview at the very, like, near the end of his life. Was married to the same woman for, like, 50 years. I'm like,
1: Any okay. kids? No. I don't know. Or maybe he was closeted, right? I mean... That's my that's my working theory. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because we've learned how brutal the consequences, especially for someone his age, to try to become famous in mm. that era would be, to be open. Who knows? I mean, he definitely... Has a loud personality. <laughs> he can perform, right? He can he's, perform. He's yeah, great. Yeah, so he's great. But I don't know. That's interesting.
0: I don't want to cast aspersions. Maybe he was totally in love with his wife for the 50 years. Yeah, I should,
1: no, I mean, that that's not the problem. He could have been totally in love with anybody. But it's just interesting when you see people that completely block out. Yeah,
0: like uh, no information. Yeah. Would not give, like, yeah, just did not talk. He would actually, he was near the end of his life because I think he passed away in 88 from complications to cancer or mm. something like that.
1: I look, yeah, I mean... He did, he was an alien, so he, maybe he, was he just went alien. back. Yeah. I like that
0: that is your your go-to.
1: <laughs> for the last Starfighter, aside from the fact that the computer effects were essentially done on, like on a Commodore 64, they look fucking terrible. <laughs> that movie holds that's up right. really well. That's, that's a good movie. I should go back and watch it again. Yeah. What is the famous TV show
0: James Garner was a part of? I'm TV show.
1: Is it not... Uh, Maverick God's was the God's movie, book. but. Um, um, is the Rockford Files? Rockford is Files. It? Yeah. Rockford Files. Maverick, Rockford Files, and the. Uh, bo- of course, bo- the notebook. He was in the notebook. Gross. Oh, he was in a film with Tashira Mufune called Grand Prix. Oh, what year was that out? 66. Oh, we gotta find that. this. Yeah. Oh, it actually was top 10 in 1966. It won oh, wow, three okay. Oscars. How? Jesus. how do you not know about this, this film? movie?
0: I just know that the Rockford Files. I know we. I brought up jumping the shark here a mm-hmm. few weeks ago, and you claim to have never heard that term in your entire life, which no. I find wild.
1: What does it mean? Explain it to me. It doesn't make any sense.
0: The jumping the shark is a term originally used for TV shows to say this is when this is the moment where there was the point of no return, where everything after this point is kind of bad on the TV show. Okay. Where it never became good again at this point, point. and so people will debate about when a certain show jumped the shark for good.
1: Like, why a shark okay? Whatever,
0: because it's, it's based on the Happy Days episode where the Fonz literally jumps over a shark oh, you on brought water this skis. Up. Right. So right. it's a it's a reference to Happy Days. Stupid. But the Rockford Files is one of the shows that's considered to have never jumped the shark. A mm. small handful of shows that never got bad. That is up to the person because I have never seen a single second of the Rockford Files, mm. so I have no idea. I have no frame of reference for that show. It's still in
1: syndication to present day. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So you can watch it somewhere.
0: Apparently. 50 greatest
1: TV shows of all time.
0: Dave, the cinematography. And I swear to God, I am not making up this person's (laughs) name. I just saw it. It's amazing. Cinematography by Dick Bush. (laughs) (laughs) You shouldn't, you know, you got to say Dick Bush. And you're a five-year-old kid, so you can laugh
1: at that. If you say Dick Bush, it's funnier. Instead of Dick Bush, trying to make it sound like a name. Dick Come Bush. <laughs> it's a bush of dicks.
0: If my name was Dick Bush, I'd have shirts printed with my name on them. His top four on IMDb are this movie. He did The Philadelphia Experiment in 1984. Yanks in 1979. Who doesn't want to get yanked by Dick Bush? <laughs> and of course, Sorcerer in 1977. Do you know the uh, the story about Sorcerer? No. That stars um Guy from Jaws.
1: Rob Schneider Roy Schneider
0: Roy Schneider, Roy Scheider it is like this challenging adult film right about the i think it's like drugs or something they're trying to get out of this country or whatever it had the terrible thing of opening up like the week after star wars opened oh, up so so totally gets obliterated at the box office yeah. and people take this as the moment of like okay people's tastes have changed they just want blockbusters they don't want challenging movies and hollywood starts to like really veer off into that direction to chase the money, because sorcerer made no money.
1: Mm-hmm. It's being critically reevaluated. We should watch this mm-hmm. too.
0: I do want to watch Sorcerer because it is considered like a very great movie. It's just nobody watched it when it first came out.
1: I was gonna suggest maybe Dick Bush's greatest work is Little Monsters in 1989.
0: <laughs> you could say that. That is certainly a <laughs> phrase you could say out loud into the universe. Dave, this was written by Blake Edwards based on the concept by Hans Holmberg mm-hmm. and the 1933 script. By Reinhold Schünzel, directed by Blake Edwards. This is a story that has been adapted multiple times. But let's start with that 1933 version, where the film *Victor und Victoria* wow. is released. That farm, farm, that wow. film stars Bernardo Mueller and Herman Thurnig, uh, and it's slightly different than this movie. I actually watched the first 15 minutes of oh. it on Criterion right before we started. Okay. Uh, just to get a feel for the thing. In that movie, like the Robert Preston character is a woman impersonator. Oh. Like that is his job. Okay. And so the Victoria character takes over for him one night. Mm. There's an agent in the crowd and says, oh, I think you're a man doing this. What a great thing it's you're interesting. doing. And mm-hmm. becomes famous. It is also much more of a musical, because people literally break out into song
1: all the time. while, Probably they're not the on
0: stage. Hmm. Of course it's German because it's in German. This production nineteen in nineteen thirty three this production also filmed the French version called Georges and Georgette
1: hmm.
0: at the exact same time. This was actually something that did happen not every time, but more often than you would think, where a production would film two different languages simultaneously. Hmm. The more famous one is Dracula with Bela Lugosi, where they would film the English language version, and then at night, with the same equipment and sets, would film the Spanish language version, which some people still claim the Spanish version of Dracula is better than the English version. Mm, mm. That's what some people claim. Not this person, but some people claim. Wow. Uh, Like I said, this film has also been adapted a few more times. There was a second German version made in 1957, and then an Argentinian film called My Girlfriend the Transvestite in 1975, but that one really holds up (laughs) really super well. Now, it should be stated how the careers of both Andrews and Edwards weren't in the best of positions. We kind of talked about this already, but uh, after those few duds, they collaborate for the first time on this film called Darling Lily, Mm -hmm. uh, which seems like it should be such a slam dunk. It's a musical. With Julie Andrews in the lead role, it's like this big return to big musicals. But uh, in the editing process, the producers take the film away from Edwards, demand some more songs be added, additional scenes added to it. Eventually, it does get released. They were actually threatened to never release this movie at all. But they do uh, release it. It makes no money. Julie Andrews is labeled as box office boys and has to go to TV to work for like the next few years. And then through Edwards basically going back to the Pink Panther series to varying levels of success, 10 kind of hits big. And then right before this, they make this film called SOB. Which Dave, you should look up the poster to SOB, because it is buck wild what that poster looks like. It is this take-down satire of Hollywood, uh, based on them trying to make Darling Lily and all the other BS that they had been going through. Oh, that's um, a cool picture. <laughs> and I do Want to watch that movie? I did not have time to watch it this week, but it stars Julie Andrews and yeah. it has Robert Preston in it. And so that's the movie they had made right before this, and it had been a mild hit what's interesting too is that they don't have even though like the kind of the setup is a bit changed in this movie all of the stuff that happens in this movie is stuff that happens in that 1933 version and they were able to get away with that because it was right before the code came into effect so this was the the 1933 film is a pre-code movie so that you could show sexuality and sensuality and all that talk about homosexuality before that was like no you can't talk about any of this stuff Uh, The Robert Preston role was originally designed for Peter Sellers, but he had just recently passed away. So they brought in Robert Preston, who they had just worked with. And to help out with the songs, Henry Mancini was brought in for the music, a giant in the field of film scoring. Some of his bigger hits though, Moon River from Breakfast at Tiffany's, the Pink Panther theme, and the theme for Peter Gunn. For lyrics, they hire Leslie Brickus who we last talked about in our Willy Wonka episode, because mm. he did the uh, the lyrics for that, uh, and would go on to be nominated for seven Academy Awards that year, including Best Actress for Andrews, Best Supporting Actor for Preston, and Best Supporting Actress for Warren, Best Screenplay for Edwards. It would lose all of those. The only thing that won was Best Score, which was split between Henry Mancini and Leslie Brickus. Those were the only two people who got anything from this movie. Anyways, that's the quick backstory.
1: Uh, my notes are just like oh there's a Clouseau reference you know with the mm-hmm. uh, private investigator
0: I just wrote in my notes who doesn't want to fall asleep with an old show queen while drinking champagne in a Parisian hotel
1: <laughs> wow. it's like my
0: idea of bliss right there um, can I also tell you the one thing that cracked me up more than it should have just because he saved the word so much in one scene which is bosom <laughs> It's what? Like, my bosoms are too big. And <sighs> if you crush my bosoms, right, right, right. Then my bosoms are going to show. I'm like, but you don't have bosoms. I'm like, what, what she you're say? saying this way too much in this scene.
1: If I do this much longer, my bosoms will look like too... I can't remember. She has a... Oh, handbags or something. Handbags what did say? Or something? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I also like how indignant she is because when she's auditioning at the very beginning and she's too perfect, right? Mm-hmm. like... He says something like, I don't hire a mezzo. He's like, I am not a mezzo. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, how yeah. dare you?
1: <laughs> yeah, they had some good bits with the, what is it, B-flat, the glass-breaking note.
0: Glass-breaking, yeah.
1: I was wondering why when they are in the office, they bring in this, uh, what do you call it, the uh, trapeze mm-hmm. artist, and just that whole buildup for him to finally balance on the champagne bottle. And it and like it, breaks and yeah. falls. Yeah, amazing. Uh,
0: Amazing. And that's a great time to use that static shot. Because you just want to see that setup and then the fall.
1: Yeah. So there's uh, some inspired framing and setups. Uh, The other framing that
0: I like is her so hungry and looking at that guy just Mm. devouring that uh, donut. And you go back and she's gone. And so you kind of first think that she's just walked away. And then she's actually fainted. So people pick her up to bring her back up into the window. It's like, Yeah. This is some cool framing that you're doing here. I was
1: shocked. The tone when she is about to faint at her hotel room and she offers her body for food and the guy actually takes her up on it. And like, so there's there's the joke because she's uh, sort of, what's the right word? She's uh, incapacitated. But then the fact that that, dirty old man actually starts pulling down his pants and you're like oh my god what kind of movie is this yeah (laughs) this is gonna happen but it turns into a better bit after so
0: i can also imagine like she's terrified of roaches and that's her plan right to go and just eat this
1: huge meal i love the roach and be like hopefully not pay for it that waiter was a bit out of the blue he's funny but those are the little touches where it doesn't Mm -hmm. take me out of it but i start questioning (laughs) sure uh, because that guy popped up and you're like well that guy's definitely a comedian (laughs) And then you're like, what's his angle? What is this for? And it turns into a bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was good. It's like me bringing a mouse into a, into a restaurant and be like, <laughs> get out of here. Yeah. I love that they, that they were like, well, this is something everybody does until pandemonium ensues. But uh, good laughs. That's a like good idea.
0: Like, yeah. Back in the 1930s, it's just like we were both under the understanding that we we're going to dine in dash in this yeah. situation. So, let's just go all out. Let's keep getting the wine. Actually, let's keep eating it. Yeah. Whatever. Whole
1: chicken. Uh, yeah, it was good. So, the neg- negative things are not James Gardner himself, but that character is weird. The movie is, does drag a little bit. Just so that people listening remember, we're not- Well, I'm not 100. I don't think this is the best movie ever made, but I really enjoyed watching it. I was surprised by how fun it is. Um, It's fun. It's
0: funny. The performances are good. I mm -hmm. think it's sweet in many places. The the musical performances are great. Yeah. So, like, it definitely would. I, I've never done like a full list of like my favorite movie musicals of all time I feel like this would be like in the in the midway point for me as far as like of
1: all time it'd but. be up there yeah it deserves a, a bit of a reappraisal I think it's still re- well respected judging by yeah. the scores but uh, I think it would be surprising to have uh, like like I said, this is the first movie I've sat in hell and Helen started a side eye watching it because we were just mm-hmm. on the couch together, and then she got invested in it because it's that entertaining. I mm-hmm. think that says a lot about a film from 1982 to capture the attention of my wife, who thinks uh, that they should all be burned, that's and, right, uh, you know, destroyed. sure
0: <laughs> Shuler. You know what the other funny joke is? I just remembered is like like there are two gangster members or something. I can't remember exactly what their roles are, but the guy who comes in and sits down is like. Be careful about that stool. And he's like, "What?" And oh, then yeah. it just collapses on him. Like, yeah, yeah. that's a funny setup and payoff. Wasn't <laughs> that
1: the private investigator? I think that was the Clouseau yeah. guy. Yeah, where his whole
0: role. There's a character in there. Who's like. Oh, that could have been a Clouseau person. Well, I'm surprised
1: to hear that Peter Sellers was supposed to be Tommy. I think that would have ruined the movie. I like Peter Sellers a lot. I do, but
0: I agree that he would not have fit that role as good as Robert Preston does.
1: But if he had come out as a Clouseau, but maybe with like a different color trench coat, that would have made that bit even more hilarious because that is a Clouseau. I mean, just... The mm-hmm. world's shittiest inspector getting caught, you know, with the finger in the door. Yeah, f- having things falling yeah. on him, getting beat up, just trying to sneak it. That's all that Pink Panther throw out, uh, throwback. No, call out. People should watch it.
0: We're done here.
1: So the machine said we do have to wrap things up.
0: Uh, so we should go into critics choice. This is the part of the show where we discover what the critics thought at the time that this film was released. Presumably. Roger Ebert gave this three out of four stars. He finishes off his review saying this. By the way, he goes on a long diatribe about his history with drag, which is kind of weird and, like, totally... Anyways, doesn't matter. Go read the review if you want. This is how he ends off things. The three most difficult roles belong to Preston, Garner, and Karras, who must walk a tightrope of uncertain sexual identity without even appearing to condescend to their material. They never do, because they all seem to be people first and genders second. They see the humor in their bewildering situation as quickly as anyone... And their cheerful ability to rise to a series of implausible occasions makes Victor Victoria not only a funny movie, but unexpectedly a warm and friendly one.
1: Friendly. That's a good word for this. Yeah.
0: Pauline Kael, on the other hand, never gave like an actual rating or anything. She hated this movie. She hated it. This is kind of a compression of her thoughts. The picture is at its yeastiest. Wow. In the slapstick embellishments of the preparatory sequences when the infuriatingly sane and distant Julie Andrews finally gets into men's clothes. There's nothing even remotely funny about it, and you don't believe that she could successfully impersonate a woman on the stage. Edwards pulls laughs, though. He does it with the crudest setups and the moldiest, most cynical, dumb jokes. As an aging homosexual entertainer who trains Victoria to pass as Victor, Robert Preston brings an unholy glee to his material. This is yet another movie. Unholy. Interesting.
1: Mm Interesting. Interesting.
0: This is yet another movie in which a girl's best friend is a homosexual. James Garner, in a mustache and acting like a funny, scowly Clark Gable, is a nightclub owner from Chicago. And as the girlfriend he discards when he falls for Victoria, Leslie Ann Warren, gone blonde, does dippy, exaggerated versions of Jean Harlow's nasal petulance. She's a comic strip eccentric, and you feel her sweetness, but Edwards ties tin cans to her tail. He makes her into a nasty, screeching floozy. This picture features speeches about sexual politics that are the latest in showbiz enlightenment. It also features a chorus line headed by Leslie Ann Warren that may be the most contemptuous display of women's bodies ever seen in a major studio movie.
1: I feel like uh, Paul and Cale definitely is becoming curmudgeonly and conservative in her later reviews. Yeah. I will agree that, honestly, I I brought it up. I thought that the, you know, that dance number you said you liked uh, was a little extreme. I didn't enjoy watching it It was kind of weird came out of nowhere
0: sure but i mean it is also her auditioning for a mob boss
1: i'm just saying we not auditioning like trying to <laughs> yeah. get a favor from him yeah but but aside from that i think you know Pauline Kale at this stage of her career, needs to chill out a little bit. <laughs> there's a lot of moral terms. It is interesting.
0: Like, it does feel like she's getting more and more conservative. Yeah. Sort of. I guess. I don't know. In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Like, she's always the... I guess I don't know. I, I need to read more about her. She does seem pretty dismissive about any time, like... Gender politics. Homosexuality shows up yeah. in movies. So, I don't know if that was her projecting or and not. Just
1: suddenly... I'm thinking about Garp and the mother's character and this sort of, like, automaton feminist something. You know, there's... Mm-hmm a point where she gets wrapped up in the rhetoric. And uh, I wonder if we analyze Paul and Kale, if there's something like that, you know, where in the 70s, she seemed very like pro-civil rights, very like right. looking for that uh, interesting intellectual dialogue in films. And I'm not saying Victor and Victoria holds up to that sort of high sure. standard. Yeah, yeah. But using some terms like unholy, you start wondering maybe she's just kind of tired of uh, how that turned out. Maybe she's embittered because instead of Going into full art, uh, America reverted into a cartoon of itself by the 80s. Yeah. Who knows? But uh, it's interesting. How about
0: this, though? We have to ask this question that we ask each and every week. Does this hold up and is it still culturally relevant? What do you think, Dave?
1: That's. Uh, I think it's, it holds up. I think it was fun. I don't know if it's because I'm old or a Julie Andrews uh, fan. But I, th- I had a lot of fun watching this. And I think if you actually listen to this kind of podcast, you will too. Um, because mm-hmm. this is just sort of a, yeah, what was the Ebert word? Uh, friendly. It's like a friendly, a fun friendly, Yeah, it's a,
0: not only a funny movie, but unexpectedly a warm and friendly one.
1: You know, is it culturally relevant? That's a tougher one. I think that, you know, sexual identity and gender politics have become so convoluted now. I, I wonder if many people would find offense with this film.
0: Yeah, that's hard to like, yeah, it'd be interesting to see like a different person, especially like someone like uh, like a trans critic or something like that. Like, yeah. how do they read this movie? Because I'll just say as a bisexual man, like I find it fairly progressive. Again, I'm thinking back at progressive in a 1982 context. Yeah, in its context. They're never yeah. shown to be like the butt of the jokes. They are just people that are allowed to be actual characters. So for me... It holds up because I'm you not know, being like oh like you know you watch certain 80s movies you're like ooh that doesn't
1: mm-hmm. that's not cool. I saw Night Shift. I mean yeah. those two jokes. Not to uh, destroy one film for two poorly written jokes or I mean there yeah. were good jokes in 1982 but uh, unacceptable ones today. Although frankly I'm just trying to think you know if you watch old uh, old guy uh, what is it old guys or you know any Mark Wahlberg comedy sure. it's probably still in there but culturally relevant is always the hardest one for us to time uh, to determine yeah
0: i'm gonna say yes though i'm gonna plant right my flag out. i'll say yeah it's culturally relevant
1: No, yeah, you're gonna plant your flag beside dick bush <laughs> listen we do need to write
0: this film but before we do that is what dave and i thought what do you think you can send any feedback to kyle and dave vs the machine at gmail.com you can also find us on Twitter, on Instagram, with the handle Katie vsTM We also release a video each week on our YouTube channel that matches the movie that we're talking about this week. If you want to see the entire list of films that we've watched and the ratings that we've given, you can go to our Letterboxed page. That's letterboxd.com slash KatieVSTM. And if you want to support us monetarily so that we can continue doing this podcast and not usher in the next apocalypse, you can go to our Patreon page. There is a link in the show notes of this episode. You can support for as low as a dollar per month. Something that you can do for absolutely free is to leave a rating and review on whatever app you use for podcasts. So let's get to the rating of this movie. Dave, out of five, what are you going to give Victor or Victoria?
1: I'm hovering between like a, f- no, I'm going to give it a four. I think that, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. There are some aspects which are not perfect, so I'm going to stay with a mm-hmm. four. I think it's a reasonable score.
0: I agree in saying like it's not quote unquote perfect. There's a few things like the dragging in that last 20 minutes or so, a couple of the characters and stuff like that that don't fully work for me. But again, like I said, I loved it. I was like in this movie. I can always tell that the movie is uh, at its best when I have no urge to be looking at my phone. And for the yes. vast majority of this movie, I was like I was in it. I was watching it. I wanted to see what was going on. Not check the
1: runtime even once. Yes. So I'm giving this a
0: 4.5 is what I'm going to give to it. it. Is what I'm going to give it.
1: I'm surprised you don't own it. That's how much I thought yeah. this is a Kyle movie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I said that too. I I That to you, like this is a movie made for me in so many ways. (laughs) Anyways, it is going to average out to 4.25. We'll write that down to a four out of five. Here's the hilarious thing, Dave this is going to tie with Tootsie. Ah, So, do we put this above or below Tootsie in your opinion?
1: That's a tough one. It's like a tie. I think I know this one, I think because of both of our slants to musicals, it would go above because I would probably watch this first. Yeah, so this I was actually about to say the same thing. Like
0: Tootsie is probably like a better movie, movie, yeah. yeah. But if I'm gonna choose which one I want to watch more, I would
1: would absolutely watch this before watching Tootsie. And it's not to say I wouldn't watch Tootsie. I would watch Tootsie again. I thought Tootsie was great. But uh, if Tootsie sang, right, and did a choreographed number, it would it would leap up. In the rating? Yeah, I need to see Dustin
0: Hoffman sing The Shady Dame of Seville. We'll see how much uh, hate we get because that's going to go very high up on our list of, uh, of films because it's going to enter our list at the number three position, right above Tootsie and right below Das Boot.
1: <laughs> oh, that's good. What's number one? Ben? Well, this is great.
0: Actually, Das Boot, German film. This was based made on from a German, German film, film. Yeah. and this is also about people playing around with gender which yeah. is also what Tootsie is it's like yeah. an interesting like collection we're consistent we have going on here is it
1: E.T. that's number one
0: E.T. is number one okay but who knows we we're, have so many
1: much more, more many movies to see We're everything wrong with film apparently no I we, know we bought into the blockbuster <laughs> I know well who knows maybe
0: next week though Dave we'll find our new number one film let me just push this button here but Dave, you're probably going to hate this. I don't know. Uh, we're going to be watching Querelle, I think is how you say it. Nothing. It is the last movie by Fassbinder, hmm. the German, I think German, provocateur director who did a lot of gay film.
1: Yeah. Actually, okay. if
0: you look up the movie poster for this, it's a guy, a sailor, sitting in front of like a smokestack that looks exactly like a penis. Like, Perfect. It, it's not even hidden that it <laughs> looks like a penis.
1: Ejaculating smoke. I can't mm. wait.
0: That that next week is when Dave gets cancelled. Officially, <laughs> so. Perfect. Perfect. Dave, I really have to go and pee. So we're going to wrap up the episode. Goodbye, everyone.
1: Excellent. Excellent. All right. The only French thing I can stand is kissing.